showing you how to reignite the embers of a distant and lonely relationship into a blazing, emotionally intimate connection. I'm your host, Amber Dawson. I'm a psychologist, author, and speaker. A few of my favorite things are my husband, Grapes, and my adorable little dog, Riggs. Now let's learn how to create a soul crush in love that lasts. Hit subscribe in your podcast app so that simply by listening, you can rekindle your relationship by pouring a little gas on your relationship ember. This podcast is for informational purposes and should not be misconstrued for specific relationship advice. For advice for your specific relationship, seek a local couples therapist for relationship counseling for couples therapy. The secret behind creating a love that lasts with any attachment style. How to break free from connection problems even if one partner is avoidant or even anxious. Many couples want a safe connection with open communication. They want rejection, loneliness, disrespect, the fear of not being enough to end. They want to feel safe. In this episode, we're gonna cover what attachment styles are, a simple tool that can help create connection, no matter what your attachment styles are. I've been watching Bridgerton lately, and so I'm gonna use an example from that TV show to help us understand attachment styles and how they overcame some differences. Simon, an enigmatic, charming, but also detached young man of marrying age, has found himself in England at the heart of the party season, the social season, where the goal of someone in marrying age is to find a partner. Now, he's quite handsome and seemingly well-educated, and from the gossip on the streets, he has no problem finding himself woman companions. The issue is, Simon doesn't want a long-term woman companion. Simon's father desperately wanted a son. Finally, they had one. Simon's mother died in childbirth. Despite his father's enthusiasm for wanting a son to carry out the family name, Simon's father saw Simon as nothing but a disappointment. The show displays a small Simon sitting at a learning desk writing his letters. His father marches into the room and demands that young Simon speak. Young Simon does not speak. His father hurls insults and shames the small boy with with a language problem. Even young Simon, who can't speak, knows that his father is disapproving. One day, his, his mother's friend, Lady Danbury, comes over. And Lady Danbury vows to teach this struggling little boy how to speak. Over the years, Simon is away from his father and he writes to his father to say he's not dead. One day, Simon and Lady Danbury go see Simon's father. And small Simon does speak, although he does have a small stutter. The boy is once again rejected by his father, abandoned and told he is unwanted. Later in the show with Simon's father on his deathbed, Simon promises his father that he will not carry out the family name, and the family name will end with him. On the surface, Simon is charming, great looking, but as the story shows, there's a lot going on beneath the surface. So much that the average looker honor cannot see. Let's go through attachment styles and let's learn about Simon. Attachment ranges in dimensions. So we all get attached to people. We have an attachment system in us and we connect to other people. It's an innate part of us. We connect, we want to be around others or we don't. 
So here are the di dimensions of attachment. Dimensions are either avoidance and anxiety. So as a result, you have either high avoidance or low avoidance or high anxiety or low anxiety. This would be a great time to pause and grab a notebook if you are curious about attachment styles or even Google attachment style dimensions. If you want a visual for what I'm talking about, let's go over the attachment style so you can understand what these dimensions mean. The first kind of attachment style we have is what's called secure attachment. These are people that are low in anxiety in relationships and low in avoidance of relationships. These people feel comfortable with intimacy, comfortable with closeness. They don't really obsess about the relationship and they coast along, you know, they can accept the ebbs and flows. They want closeness from their partner, but they're not very upset if there's bumps or moments when they don't have it. The next kind of attachment style we have is called an anxious attachment. People who are in anxious attachment are usually low in avoidance and high in anxiety. This means they have a deep need to be close and connected to their partner. And at the same time, they have a number of fears related to not getting their emotional needs met, that their partner may just physically or emotionally abandon them. These people often get the label of needy. Just a note, needy isn't necessarily a bad thing. And if you wanna understand more about neediness, see if dependency, healthy dependency is even possible, check out episode 35 on the podcast. Is healthy dependency possible? So that we don't give neediness a bad rap. The next style is called avoidant. These people are low in anxiety, but high in avoidance. These are the kinds of people who feel, you know, kind of odd in relationships and they prefer when things are not very close and are not intimate. They have a high degree of autonomy and they want a sense of freedom. The last attachment style we have is called anxious avoidant. These people are high in relationship anxiety and they are high in avoidance. They, you know, often feel off kilter in relationships. They have a lot of anxiety and they fear that they're going to push their partner away. And at the same time, they're pushing away. This is a high level summary of attachment styles. I just want you to understand that different people have different attachment styles. We aren't all the same. In our minds, we usually think we're right and our partner should want to do things the way we do when it comes to our attachment needs, but our partner may be different than us. Attachment styles can also differ relationship to relationship. However, much of the time, our attachment styles has to do with our early learning and development. There's always a story behind how we do relationships. Our beliefs in our relationships usually come from our families of origin, our primary caregivers, whether we felt like our homes were safe, consistent, predictable, reliable, how we fit in at school, and our relationships with our peers. Over time, we may have had experiences with other partners, and we could also cultivate attachment mental frameworks from them. You could also start a relationship in one attachment style, and given the right set of circumstances or pains or things that feel safe, your attachment style can change. This means that understanding the story behind attachment styles tends to make attachment styles make more sense. In Simon's story, we hear about a young boy who wasn't wanted by his father, who had a mother who passed away. He was lovingly taken in by Lady Danbury. What do you imagine this young man learned about connection to people that are supposed to be there for you? Do you imagine he felt safe, loved? Now he vows to put himself in a position where his name never carries on. Do you think this sets him up for wanting to be in a close, safe, and connected relationship to another person? 
Probably not. Nevertheless, he doesn't really want this. However, he ends up going to these balls. Simon ends up at all of these social events of the season. He doesn't really want to be there. And at one of these balls, we have Daphne Bridgerton trying to get away from another suitor and hastily crashes into Simon. The two start bickering and quipping at each other, and Daphne's brother comes by and introduces them because he knows both Simon and, you know, introduces his little sister Daphne. Daphne has started the social season with high hopes of finding a marriage mate. She was given great blessings from the queen and was originally thought to be a highly desirable partner with many suitors. Her brother ended up being overly protective and didn't really let young men socialize with her at the ball. He finds some fault with every suitor that seems to come their way. He also makes them leave the party early. Now from watching the show, my gist was that it's a social custom after the ball to go the next day, the suitors are supposed to go to the home of the women. You can see the show flashes around to other homes and you see that there's men lining up to spend time with other young women. But at Daphne's home, there's crickets. She's hurt and upset about the position she's in as a result of her brother. And even though she was thought to be highly desirable, she finds herself alone or with suitors she really doesn't want. To make matters worse, there's a gossip column and a writer who writes about her failings and how she thought that Daphne was going to be the belle of the ball. And nevertheless, Daphne finds herself on the outskirts. Now, through a series of events, Simon and Daphne find themselves plotting to help both of them. Simon wants some help to avoid the mothers and the other single women who are trying to advance upon him. He wants to rest firm in his position that he wants to be single. Daphne also framing a twist. She wants to be thought of as being more desirable. So together, Simon and Daphne decide they're going to act as though they're in love and show up at the social seasons. And by being with Simon, Daphne will be seen as more desirable and Simon being seen with Daphne will be seen as being unavailable. They make a verbal contract for how many balls and dances they're gonna attend together. Through the balls and dances, you see them gazing lovingly, holding hands, giggling and smiling, truly cultivating a deep connection. The people around them are convinced the two are gonna end up together because they're so in love. The two of them are thinking that they're just, you know, having their needs met. Daphne to find somebody else and Simon so he can leave single at the end of the social season. Except Daphne falls for Simon and Simon falls for Daphne, but they want two different things. Daphne seems to have a normal and healthy desire for closeness. She seems to be low in anxiety and low in avoidance. She does want autonomy and freedom. She seems to want that for her partner too, and also wants to share her life. Now, there's not a ton of information about Daphne's attachment style, but I'm guessing she's quite secure. So that makes it easy for her to cultivate connection and fall in love. It makes it easy for her to want to get married. Now, it kind of makes sense. You fall in love, you have a good friendship, you want to get married, kind of seems like a normal reaction. And for a lot of the population, when closeness feels good and they find someone they really like, I mean, marriage makes sense, next step. But this isn't the case for Simon when he falls in love. Instead of wanting to take the next step, he wants out. He's someone who's highly avoidant of the close connection. He feels uncomfortable with this kind of intimacy and romance, and he does not want to pass on his family name. 
Simon becomes the master of mixed signals, valuing his independence and wanting freedom while also chasing Daphne down to kiss her. He emphasizes his boundaries and then also wants to be with her. Very confusing. So not going to spoil the ending, but if you've watched Netflix, just go to the trailer. You might have some clues about what happens. So what happens when this man doesn't want connection? How did he even fall in love with her? Well, I think there's a very few key factors that we can understand to think about how they really did create this deep connection. I love the Gottmans. They have so much great research and really make it easy for the general public to understand. They have a theory which is called the sound relationship house theory. This house has a number of layers and I use it all the time to describe to my clients. Here's the general idea. Like any house, you need a solid foundation and solid walls to hold the roof up. If you don't have a solid foundation in place and your walls are all cracked, you can have lots of shared dreams and lots of shared desires. But if your house doesn't have a strong foundation, you're probably, it's probably going to fall apart. So the base of the foundation of the sound relationship house is called building love maps. This means letting your partner know your inner world. It's the framework for creating a deep connection, a deep friendship. So here's what we can learn from this TV show about attachment styles and creating connection. So weird thought, right? Like what if creating romantic relationships, passionate relationships, were just amped up awesome, fr awesome friendships? What if cultivating deep knowing of our partners and them knowing us is the key to stopping that lonely and disconnected feeling? No one should have to feel alone with the person that is supposed to be their person. After working with thousands of clients, I have learned after years of being together, many couples find the friendship fizzles out like there are ships passing in the night. I want you to know the secret to the foundation of a relationship. It's so clear what it is in the relationship research. Friendship. Friendship is the foundation of a great relationship. Knowing each other, spending time with each other, listening to each other, and discussing what is right, not just what is wrong. To simplify, two simple ideas to help you cultivate friendship are this. One, at the end of your workday, spend like 20 minutes talking about your days, five days a week. Then, another thing you do is plan a date night, an activity together, taking up one to two hours of your week. These small actions can have massive results. If you're not sure how a 20 minute conversation with your partner can help, let me show you. I can, I can teach you how to transform disconnected conversations into emotionally intimate connections. I created the Emotional Intimacy Cheat Sheet so you and your partner have a guide for the questions to ask to talk about your days. To get it now, just text CHEAT to 1-313-710-9683 for your free guide, the Emotional Intimacy Cheat Sheet. Hit pause right now and text CHEAT, C-H-E-A-T, to 1-313-710-9683 for your free guide, the Emotional Intimacy Cheat Sheet. Let's be careful here for a second. I'm not saying you can make an avoidant person fall in love with you and you can make an avoidant person want to have a strong relationship. You can't make anybody fall in love with you or make anybody want to have a strong relationship, but you can certainly set the stage by putting things in place to make it more likely that this is gonna happen. 
I am saying it is possible to have a more safe and more solid and secure relationship for both partners by getting to know each other's inner worlds. Very often, the avoidant person needs space after a period of emotional closeness. When they feel close, it feels okay, but they need a period of separation. They don't want it to feel too close. So sometimes the key thing to note here for people with an avoided attachment style is that closeness actually makes them uncomfortable and then they need more space. At times, they might notice that avoidance makes them actually feel like they're ready to be close again, but sometimes they just need more space. So it's really hard to say how the person with an avoidant attachment style is going to react. But just note, often after being close, they do need space. However, if a person recognizes they are avoidant, that is their typical style, and they're open to creating safety where the relationship can become more secure and generate closeness in a way that feels good for them, they can try these strategies. I also think that building a great friendship and getting to know your partner's inner world so you two can learn to navigate the differences in your needs for freedom and togetherness and connection can be really helpful in creating a secure base. The key to creating that secure relationship is to get to know each other's love maps, to know what you both need and find a way to honor that. Okay, going back to the anxious person and listening to this episode, I am thinking about the episode number 35, is healthy dependency possible on relationships like the podcast? We know the more an anxious person feels safe and secure and loved, the less anxious they actually become. This is called the dependency paradox. Ironically, the more attention you give them and meet their needs, the less needs they have. So by implementing a strategy where you talk every day and you help them get their emotional needs met, you might find you actually get more freedom and more flexibility. How you can break free from connection problems is focusing on the friendship. Spend time, get to know each other's inner worlds. And in less than an hour, less than two hours a week, by talking to each other, you can really enhance your connection. In addition, plan activities to do together. I think it's super important to understand that most of the time, in many cases, men and women do relate to each other differently in relationships. If you look at many men's friendships, they tend to do activities together. And when they talk, it's about things like sports or politics. Whereas women tend to talk to their friends about very personal matters and even pastimes can be spent just talking. So one thing to do to cultivate connection, especially if you're an opposite couple, opposite sex couple, is make time for talking and make time for activities. Find ways where you both feel like it's good to connect. Again, if you feel like you need help connecting with your partner, I've got a simple template for you. It's going to help you increase connection with your partner. I want to teach you to empower yourself and your partner with done for you questions to ask to help each other create this connection. So to get the emotional intimacy cheat sheet, just text cheat to 1-313-710-9683 for your free guide, emotional intimacy cheat sheet. Yeah, hit pause right now and text cheat to 1-313-710-9683 for your free guide, the emotional intimacy cheat sheet. So in today's episode, we talked all about attachment styles, secrets to creating a love that lasts with any attachment style. The key here to know, whatever the attachment style is, great connection is built in wonderful communication. 
and the foundation for a love that lasts. I mean, if you've married your partner or you're in a long-term relationship, while someone's dominant style could be anxious or could be avoidant or could be secure, if you're able to cultivate safety, friendship, admiration, learn to turn towards each other, you can create a secure relationship. Will everybody want to do this? No, but if they want to put in the work, it could be open to have a relationship that withstands the test of time that feels loving and comfortable and safe. Thank you for tuning in to Relationship Psych, the podcast put on by Ember Relationship Psychology. If you're looking for more free relationship help or advice that comes straight from the couple's therapy room, check out the free resources and the blog at www.emberrelationshippsychology.com.